Good morning, church. We're um, in the second week now of a series that we've called, Where Do I Fit? And we opened last week and we asked the question, how many of us feel like black sheep in the family? That we don't quite fit in. We know that we love our family and our family loves us, but like there's something, there's a friction that we feel in the place that we're supposed to belong. Um, and we talked about last week how God actually not only sees the things that we're different in naturally, we're born with different personalities types, we're born uh, with different experiences, we go through different life experiences, and naturally we are different, we know that. But then when God gets involved, he steps in and makes us even more different than we were before. Each of us has a unique gift, and God gives us supernatural diversity. Why? Why does he make us more and more and more different? So that you can feel good about yourself and how special you are? I might have to preach last week's sermon. <laughs> God gives us supernatural diversity. He makes us all unique and special for the good of the whole, for everybody's good. God gives us supernatural diversity for everybody's good. So if I'm a foot, say, like I'm not going to be really great at picking up anything more than maybe a spoon or a straw. And if I pick up a straw with my foot, like I'm actually not going to want to use that straw afterwards. I don't know if you're like me. Um, but like a foot is different from a hand. And we're going to get into that a little bit more this morning. But that feeling of tension, that tension that we feel that, yes, we belong to this family, but there's something about us that isn't quite like everybody else, that isn't necessarily a bad thing. And in fact, it's going to be something that God uses in a really special way. So we're asking the question, where do I fit? And if sometimes I don't feel like I fit, does that mean I'm wrong? Does that mean there's something going on that I need to address? So um, we're going to be reading together in 1 Corinthians, the letter of 1 Corinthians in chapter 12. So if, you've got a, if you'd like to turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, um, or if you'd like to use a story Bible, they should be in the seats in front of you. It'll be on starting at the bottom of page 794. <clears throat> and as we get to there, I'm going to pause and we'll pray together. Jesus, thank you so much for this morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. Um, Lord, we thank you for how you teach us in ways that we can understand that you use pictures and you use concepts that are familiar to us to teach us something that we don't understand, something that's new. And so, God, we thank you for your word and the patience that you, that you show to us, that you walk us along and you help us to understand. And, Lord, I pray that as we do that today, as we learn more, as we see more of who you are, as we see more of who we are in light of who you are, that, God, you would change our heart that you would give us new desires, desires for what you want for us. And God, that you would help us to work together as a body, as your body, to accomplish the ministry that you want to see happen in the world today. Lord, would you give us your wisdom? It's in your name we pray. Amen. So, would you like a Bible? Okay. Mm -hmm. Not like genes, what you're learning, but 
Jeans right, jeans with a G. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, we're learning about special traits that genes give us mm -hmm. by the parents and yep. also God. Right. God made um, everything plus the science and genes. Mm -hmm. So the genes makes us special traits into it. Mm -hmm. So they're both working together to make special traits that we can have. Mm -hmm. That what um, is going to say. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, thank you, Brandon. So he's, he's saying that God made everything. He made science. He made genes. Like, I, like we started with, we were born into a family, and God can speak the language of genes and DNA and things like that, and so he uses those things to make you who you are initially. And then when we come to Christ, when we turn and trust him for salvation, he steps in and uses the, some of those genes, but he adds his spirit to give us a special gift on top of that. So he makes us diverse to begin with, and he gives us even more diversity. And that's actually a good cue up for where we're going to go. So let's look to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to begin in verse 12. So 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. <clears throat> for just as the body is one and has many members... And all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. I'm going to pause there. So we talked extensively last week about how God made each of us different and gave us supernatural diversity. He made us even more different than we were naturally in order for all of us to be able to work together for good. So he's saying, even though you have a very different and specific skill set, even though you are unique and you are special, you are unique and you're special because God is one. He's making one thing. He's not making a bunch of different things. He's, he's got one purpose in mind and one message that he wants to convey to the world. And that's actually where we started in chapter 12. Do you remember? Nobody can say, except in the Spirit of God, that Jesus is Lord. And nobody in the Spirit of God says that Jesus is accursed. See, the one thing that God is trying to do in the world is help people to understand that Jesus is Lord over all creation. Spiritual, scientific, natural, however you want to understand that Jesus is Lord over all creation. And that's what he's trying to get at. So even though we have a body, and each of us are members of the body, we each have different parts to play. Some of us are pinkies. Some of us are joints and ligaments. Like, we don't actually, we don't actually support the weight. We just help things to move around. You know, even though there are different members, different parts, it's all pointing to one purpose, that Jesus is Lord, sovereign Lord over all of creation. So we have many different parts and many, many members, but it's, it's one body. He's making one unit. That's declaring one message. In one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. Now, baptized um, is a, actually, <laughs> the Bible was written in, in, a, in a language called Greek. Uh, it's actually Koine Greek. And so there are times where uh, people who are trying to translate the Bible, they don't know exactly how to translate it, or they're scared to translate it the way they should because of tradition. So when we say the word baptize, what we're actually saying really, really close to the Greek word. Can you say baptizo? That sounds a whole lot like baptize, right? Because they were like, well, if we say what it means, then some people are going to be offended. So we'll just say what the Greek word is. It's baptizo. It's baptized. We're all baptized. So what the word means is actually submerged. 
plunged into. Now, if you're familiar with church traditions, you'll know that some people baptize the, 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 um, in different ways. I'm trying to think of the, the word. I'm, it's not coming to me. Some people baptize by sprinkling or pouring over or whatever and, and, and get around like offending people that have that, that tradition that they hold. They just say it's, it's baptized. So he's saying we're all baptized into one spirit. We're all submerged into one spirit. We all become a part of something. Has anybody had, I know the answer to this question, has anybody had like a knee replacement? Partial or whole? Yeah. <clears throat> so if you have a knee replacement... You take a knee that was not a part of your body and you submerge it into your body to work together with the rest of your leg. It's baptized into your body. Like it's kind of a weird way to think about it, but it's, it's integrated. It all comes together. So he says we're baptized into the Spirit. He's not necessarily pointing to water baptism as that sign that you want to outwardly convey what God has done inwardly. I think what he's talking about is the inward part that happens first. When we turn and trust Jesus, we are baptized, we're submerged, we are integrated into the one body. Which sounds easy enough to digest on a Sunday morning, but here's where it's going to rub against us. We're Americans. We're Western. We like to think about my personal liberties. We actually just finished a whole series talking about my rights and my personal liberties. We like to think about the individual. What is Jesus going to do for me? And we, want, and we like to make personal decisions, and we like to pray personally, and those things are good, but, but the picture that the Bible presents to us of our Christian faith is, is only individual at the moment it begins. You personally make a decision as an individual to follow Jesus, and the moment that you turn from yourself to Christ, he takes you out of your dead self and self-serving life and submerges, plunges you into, incorporates you into his body, which is a group of people. So when you run across people who say, well, I've got faith in Jesus, but I don't necessarily need to be long in a church because churches are just messy and, and the people don't get along well and everybody's mean and people in church are actually meaner than people outside of church. I'd rather just like pray and watch the preacher on TV and like I can do my own thing by myself. Like that's actually not the picture the Bible presents. When you turn and trust Jesus, he's bringing you into a community of people that's bigger than yourself. Our picture of faith usually is like, well, I was doing this one thing, and I turned and I started doing another thing, and it's all about me and what I was doing. But when, the way that Jesus sees it is that you were dead and alone all by yourself, and I brought you into my family, and now you're incorporated into my family. I've plunged you into this one body. Now, we don't think about it very much when he says Jews or Greeks, slaves are free, because very few, like there aren't a ton of Jews in this area. There's a couple of them. I don't, I don't actually run into them very often. We don't, think, we don't think so much about Jews. But for the whole, like, I don't know. Let's look at this. We got this Bible. We say it's the word of God. And we got all of this section here. This is uh, the Hebrew scriptures written in Hebrew to Jews. We're not Jews, but that's a big chunk of our Bible. And then the first four parts of our Bible, the first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what we call the Gospels, like those are all stories. Those are all stories about Jews and what Jesus is doing with a bunch of Jews. And every now and then a Gentile gets stuck in. Then we got the book of Acts, and it takes about till Acts 15, uh, 10 or 15 before they're like, oh, this isn't just for Jews. 
This faith in this Messiah isn't just for Jews. This is for Gentiles. This is for people who didn't grow up in a Jewish background, who weren't born into a Jewish family. It took them that long to get to the place where we can sit in the same faith with them. We read Jews and Greeks and we go, oh, cool, whatever, it doesn't matter. But when they, understood, when they saw Jews and Greeks, like they saw themselves as distinct and separate, and the Gentiles and the Greeks that are outside of the Jewish faith, they don't have any part of God. It took them this long to realize that there was something for us who don't have a Jewish background. And now that's revolutionary. So when Paul says Jews or Greeks, he's saying this dividing line that you've drawn between yourselves for ages, it, it, it's not about that anymore. You all come to faith in God through the same Christ. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is, Jesus is, Okay, repeat after me. Jesus is Lord. Okay, so Jesus is? Jesus is? That's what he's driving at. Jesus is? Okay. Or slaves are free. Now this is, like, we don't, we don't tolerate this in our culture so much. Like, it's something that we actively fight against, but it was a part of the Roman culture that households would have slaves. And there becomes the distinction between a servant and, and the master. Like, you're serving my house. Like, yeah, you're part of my house, but, like, you're a different thing. You're an employee. Like, how many of us are like, there's no difference between me and my boss? Well, in some ways, we'd say, yeah, we're not, we're not any different because we're egalitarian Americans. Like, we think about my individual rights, and we have the same rights. But, but in a sense, like, at, at the workplace, when the boss says this is what it's going to be, like, that's what it is. There's a division there. Somebody's got the authority. No, 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 no. Whether you're the boss of, or the CEO or the president or whatever, or you're the guy cleaning the toilets, like you both come to Jesus into the same body the same way. So we've got these, this diverse lifestyle, this diverse group of people that have all come together, submerged, incorporated into the one body of Christ. He's building a family. And he makes each of us more and more different so that the family functions better, so that the body functions better. Oh, I turned off at the place we're reading. I don't normally do that. <clears throat> and all were made to drink of the same spirit. So there's the submersion, there's the incorporation, then there's the drinking, there's the sustenance. The spirit continues to live in us and continues to bind us together. Are we tracking? Okay, because that's kind of like up in the clouds kind of, kind of thinking. We're, th we're talking about the spirit. But each, each little piece, each ligament, like if you were to take a hand apart, if I took all the fingers apart and took all the bones out, if I held up to you a bone and said, like, this is really, really important for being able to point, you'd be like, that's a bone. By itself, it don't do anything. Doesn't have any muscles on it, doesn't have any blood, doesn't have any life by itself. But when it's incorporated into the hand, has blood going through it, has muscles wrapped around it, is connected to other bones and tissues and there's skin over it holding it all together, like that's when it becomes valuable. A bone by itself don't do nothing. And it actually ends up being really confusing to archaeologists and things like that. What do we do with this bone? We need more bones to put it in context. It's the same thing. So here's the hard question. There's diversity in the body of Christ. Do we recognize God's spirit in people who are not like us? 
I don't know if you're familiar with our style of worship and how we do things. If you've been coming regularly or this is kind of a new thing for you, I don't know. But there are different ways that churches all over express their worship. And it looks way different than what we do. When we look at people who are doing things differently from us, do we recognize the Spirit of God in other people? Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'm like, that's way different. I've never thought about it that way. That makes me uncomfortable, and I don't really want to talk to you anymore. Like, you make me think about stuff, and I don't like it. I just want to do my thing, and like, me and God are cool. Don't challenge the way that I see things. But can we recognize the Spirit of God in people who are not like us? We're all white. Can we look at people with different skin color who speak a different language even and say, I don't really get what you're doing, but I recognize the Spirit of God is bigger than my understanding of how I come to God. I know we're all born into the same body together by the same Spirit. I recognize that Spirit in you. That's where the rubber meets the road. Because here's our big idea for the morning. God makes the diverse parts of his body, the diverse parts of his body, serve and suffer together. There are churches that we'd be uncomfortable with. There are groups of people that, that are different than us, that we're a part of the same body. And God makes the diverse parts of his body, churches and individuals alike, serve and suffer together. It's not just about what God's doing in you and what you're in your heart. It's about what he's doing in his body. God makes the diverse parts of his body serve and suffer together. Let's continue reading because he, he makes this pretty explicit. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would, this, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, let me read that verse again. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So we are each an important part of making something that's other than us. But remember, we tend to like uniformity. Not unity, we like uniformity. We like all the bushes to be trimmed in the same way, and if any one of them gets out of line, it drives us nuts. We like symmetry and, 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 and precision. But when God plants a garden, he doesn't plant a bunch of trees and then like make them all the same shape. He plants like 12 trees of a different variety together and puts a water source in the middle and says, y'all figure it out. Work together. Make something beautiful. It's like, I want, <laughs> I want drip irrigation that waters all of my plants evenly. I need a consistent soil. I need everything trimmed up exactly the same way. And that's not how God gardens. It's not how God builds his body. But don't miss this because I don't want you to feel like I've... <laughs> 
there's a, there's a line I'm trying to walk here because there are a lot of preachers who will preach to you and tell you how special you are. And man, I believe that. You guys are so special. It's true. But I, but I also need you to understand that you're special in a context. But I do also need you to understand that you're special. <clears throat> because I hear, this in my own, I hear this in myself. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. I say this to myself. Because I've been placed here in Ocala. And Ocala is not another place. <laughs> I've been placed in Grace Church. But the people that I read, the people that I study, they're in different churches. Their churches look different from us. They got a lot more people. They got a lot more money. And I'm like, well, if, I, if I'm not them, then I'm, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a pastor. I'm not doing the right thing. And I come to the Spirit of God. I say, God, I don't feel like I'm a part of the body because I don't have the success in the way that I think it should under, I should understand it. And God says, You're, that's not your level of success. I didn't make you to be that. And there are times where we come to God and we say, God, because I'm not the thing that I think I ought to be, I don't belong here. God, I feel like you should make me into something that I don't feel like I already am. And we'll fight with God tooth and nail over it. And God just says, just because you say that doesn't mean you're not a part of the body. Just because the foot says, but I'm not a hand, that doesn't mean you're not a part of the body. That just means you're trying to pick stuff up and you're struggling with it. Stop trying to pick stuff up and walk. You belong. God has given you a special gift and in a special way, and it's hard to figure out exactly where we fit. It takes work. It takes something that you can't do and figure out by yourself. I honestly believe you can't take a test, a, a Scantron test, and figure out which fruit of the Spirit, which gift of the Spirit, not fruit, excuse me, not which gift of the Spirit you have. I don't think a test will make it happen. Those are helpful guides, but the way you will discover your shape is in the context of the community God has placed you in. God has given grace church. God has... Uh, God has given each of us a special gift for here. I feel a tension where sometimes I'm like, well, I'm, we're not like that other church. And God's like, I don't want you to be like that other church. I want you to be what you are here. There are, there's a community here. There are people here that I've placed here for you. They've been here for 40, 50, 60 years waiting for somebody to show them Christ and nobody's ever done it. And I've placed you guys specifically to be that for them. I'm not asking you to be like every other church. I'm asking you to be your church. And just because you're not like every other person, just because you're not like every other church, just because you feel like the black sheep sometimes doesn't mean you don't fit. It means you're probably trying to do a job that isn't set up for you. But God, as why I read this verse twice, but as it is, God, God himself has arranged the members in the body He's arranged them. He's put them where he wants them to be. You might feel like I got to Ocala by accident and it was just like some kind of miracle that I ended up in Grace Church. Like this was backwards. I didn't even like these people. I was really uncomfortable when I came in. I don't even know if I'm supposed to be here, but I want you to read this with me. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them. If you're a member of the body of Christ, you were placed exactly where God wants you to be for this time. And there may be a time where he moves you, but you are here now, and he wants you to function and grow and work together now. Because if all were a single member, where would the body be? If all of you guys had the gift of preaching, like who would preach on a Sunday morning? 
We just sit around talking at each other. I've, I have been in groups with preachers, and it is terrible. Like, they don't shut up. Every one of them thinks that their stories are the best, and they've got the best jokes, and it just gets old real quick. Now, don't tell them I said that. Like, just, that's between you and me. But I'm saying, if, 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 if we all had the same gift, we'd just be sitting around trying to do the gift to each other. It's like, nothing would get done. God didn't design it to work that way. So you're special, you belong. But look at this. The eye, in verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which are more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. God makes the diverse parts of his body serve and suffer together. So you can't expect the rest of the body to look and function like you. Because there's times where I feel that tension, like we're not a mega church, so we must not actually be doing what we're supposed to be doing. And, God, and I go, well, if, if God's given me a special calling, then maybe all those mega churches are doing it wrong. Maybe they're all in sin, and they're just out for the money. And I just, I hate big churches, and every church should be small like us, because we're doing it right. We can't expect for everything to work the same way. Just because we're gifted, we are gifted. This is such a blessing. It is a blessing for me to look you in the eye and to know your story when I have to preach to you on Sunday morning. Like, you get tailored, custom preaching. (laughs) But that's our gift. And God has given gifts to other churches to do other things. And that's their gift. And we can't look at their gift and go, well, they're doing it wrong because it's not like us. they got a different gift. And we can't look at people who have different gifts than us and say, I don't think you're doing, there's something wrong here. You're doing it wrong. I don't know, if you met Pastor Todd before me, I don't know if you've ever met two people who are more different. He and I disagreed on almost everything. He was, he he talked straight and and he was direct and he yelled a lot. And and there were, I was so, um, uh, Passive, I think, is the right word. I hated confrontation. I did not like to say, I did not like to speak up. I didn't like to, like, whatever. And so I'd go to Todd and be like, Todd, I got this thing I want to talk to you about. And I'm really, and like, I'm stressed out. I'm like, this is conflict. Like, I have to tell him something that I disagree with him about. And be like, just, I think you're wrong about this. And I think that we need to change. And like, in my head, in my heart, I'm just like, ugh, so anxious about it. And it didn't even register on him that I was correcting him at all. Like, he'd just be like, all right, whatever, we'll do it, fine. Like, he, our levels of, con- like, we were so different, completely different. And yet, I feel like when we were on the same team and we were working towards the same goal that Jesus is, yeah, that Jesus is, when we were focused on the same goal, us and our differences accomplished significantly more. Yes, Grace Church changed when he, when he stepped out of leadership here. 
But that doesn't mean that God isn't bringing other people to rebalance out the body. We're, that's a different point. But I'm skipping ahead. You can't expect the rest of the body to look like and function like you, whether individuals or churches. And I, have you ever thought about, like, if you lost your pinky toe? Like, if, if your pinky toe had to get amputated for some reason? Like, I don't ever, ever, ever think about my pinky toe. Like, when was the last time you thought about your pinky toe? Like, never. We don't think about it. But each one of us, like, we got up and walked across the room. Even if our knees are kind of aching and we're, like, trying to get there, like, we're not, we're thinking about our knees. We're not thinking about our pinky toe. But if I cut off your pinky toe this morning, you will have to learn how to walk again. It will completely throw off all of your balance, and you will, you will not be able to walk across the room. Because every member, no matter how insignificant it seems, is actually vital to what God wants to do in the world. So if you say, I'm not the, I'm not the guy who gets up and talks on Sunday morning. I'm not the guy who sings on Sunday morning because if, they, if you are, like, you can sing or you can preach. But I'm saying, just because I don't do those things, because I, I'm, I'm, I'm wired in a different way and I don't speak very well, like, I'm not actually important. No. The parts that, that are dishonorable, the parts that we think we need to hide, those are the parts that have greater honor. Like, you have more honor if nobody knows your name. I genuinely believe that the greatest servants of God, no one knows their name. When, when we get to heaven and there's a lineup or however it looks, like the person at the front of the line that gets the most commendations isn't going to be Billy Graham. It isn't going to be Martin Luther. It isn't going to be somebody that you know. My suspicion is going to be a woman, and my suspicion is that she's going to be a mother, and those are the only kids that are going to know her name. I think the greatest servant of God are unnamed. And if you want a challenge, like if you want to read your Bible a little bit differently, like go through and read the Gospels, read the accounts of Jesus, and notice whose name is there, and notice the people who show up in the story who play a vital role, and we never learn what their name is. There's several of them. And they're fascinating. So just because nobody is going to know your name at the end of the day in Ocala, Florida, doesn't mean that the ministry that you've offered to God, the service that you've offered to God in Grace Church doesn't count for anything. The things, what does he say? On the contrary, like that's your natural mindset, but on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem weaker seem to be weaker or indispensable. And on those parts of the body we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our presentable parts not require. Like, God sees you. And he sees your gifts, and he sees how you're trying to use them. And you're indispensable to what God wants to do here. In your neighborhood. In your family. indispensable. Some days I need that. Just because we're different shapes doesn't mean we don't belong. We just need to be in the right place, playing the right role for the right purpose, declaring that Jesus is Lord. because God makes diverse parts of his body serve and suffer together. So who will you build up this week? 
you've been given a gift, and it, it looks different for each of us. But, but think about it for a minute. Like, who will you build up this week? Who will you encourage? Now, some of you, the way that you encourage is you, like, go into the kitchen and you bake, like, marvelous cookies and, and things, and you bring coffee, and you wrap it up with a pretty bow, and you, you know, bring it, and you're like, I just want to encourage you. I just want to bless you. And, and that's people that have the gift of hospitality. I don't have that gift. <clears throat> Some of you, I suspect maybe Tyler's one of these, sometimes you encourage people by saying, you're being dumb, cut it out. Like, stop being stupid. Those are the more prophetic gifts. That was what Pastor Todd had. And some of you, like, the way that you encourage people, like, just tell me what's going on. Like, I just want to listen. And you let them go and go and go and go, and they say all the stupid stuff that the prophet would have, like, slammed the hammer on them immediately. And you get to the end, and you go, just, how is that going to declare that Jesus is Lord? How is God going to work in this? That's more my gift. That's a shepherding gift. We have different gifts. But who are you going to encourage this week? Like this week, this is Sunday. This is like, we're, we're, we've come together, we're gathered around God's word, and this is the easy part. Like the hard part is taking the next step. Like you have to go to work. You have to go back to your family. You have to go into your neighborhood with that neighbor. You got to deal with it. Who will you encourage this week? Maybe write their name down. Maybe pray for them this morning. Who will you build up this week? Let's continue reading this last paragraph here. Now, in verse 27, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. This is a big reason of why when we get up on Sunday morning, I say, good morning, church. Church is the body of Christ. I'm talking to y'all. You are the body of Christ. You are the church. Good morning, church. That's you. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? These are hypothetical questions. Verse 31, But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a more excellent way. See, we're each an important part in making something that is bigger than us, other than us. We are incorporated. We are baptized into the body of Christ. And God has given gifts to each one of us and we each need to value each other's gifts. We each need to recognize the Spirit of God in each other. But there's something that he's building. And Paul ends this with saying, earnestly desire the, the, the other gifts. Earnestly desire the higher gifts. Now, what's interesting is he doesn't actually say what the higher gifts are. He says first apostles and then goes on his list. But he also just finished saying, that the things that are, that are greater, that we would give higher honor to, are actually the things that we, we treat with less modesty. The kingdom is upside down. The kingdom of God is upside down. I don't know if you've ever read Jesus on that, but it doesn't make a lot of logical sense to the world that I live in. So he says, earnestly desire the higher gifts, but he doesn't say which ones they are. But he says, and I will show you a still more excellent way. 
How is that for a cliffhanger? Because I'm not going to talk about that this morning. We're going to talk about that next week. What is the more excellent way? We'll talk about it next week. But earnestly desire the higher gifts. Because God's building something that's bigger than us. And, and when we come to church and we see speaking and leadership gifts, we're like, man, those guys on the platform, they've got it all together. They're, they're the real Christians. They're really in it. And that's not the kingdom of God. I've been given a gift. I've been given a role for this time. And it isn't your gift, but I don't have yours either. And it's God that builds the body. I hope you've seen that in every chapter, every passage, that, that every paragraph that we've looked at. But God sets an order. But God sets an order. God builds the body. So here's the question. Will we seek God to supply what we lack? If God is building a body, will we seek him to, to supply what we act? Will you pray that God will bring to Grace Church the gifted people that we need? It's not like a preacher can't do it by themselves. I can't do everything. I can't do most things, actually, to be honest with you. And you've got a special gift that you need to use. But there are others that we need to, as a church, we need to balance, we need to find and seek the higher gifts that God would build a body here that is balanced and that is functioning, that is declaring in the community that Jesus is Lord. And can I give you a litmus test as to whether or not we've gotten there yet? This is a simple litmus test. We could probably go across the fence and it would work too, but that's a little bit too close to home. So down at the end of this street is a gas station. I don't know the guys in there. I don't know who works it. If, if we walked in there, if one of you walked into the gas station this morning and said, I'm looking for Grace Church, like, where is it? Would they know where it is? And then two, I'm thinking about going, like, what are they about? I don't even know where it is, man. I think our litmus test for whether or not we're a functioning body is, is, does the community know that we're declaring that Jesus is Lord in the community? I think, the, I mean, it's not even a mile, but I don't think they could tell us who we are or what we're about. So will you pray and ask that God will bring in the gifts that we need? Will we seek him to supply what we lack? We're all individuals. We're all shaped differently. But we need to fit together in order to make the bigger picture, the bigger picture being that Jesus is Lord. Crazy idea. I know we're in church. If you pulled out your cell phone right now and made a calendar reminder to go off at, I don't know, 8 p.m., every night this week, for one week, pray for Grace Church. Pray that God would supply spiritual gifts. Like, you could do that, and then you could, when I come back next week and say, hey, did you listen to the sermon? Did you do anything? And be like, yeah, I did. I prayed every day this week. Possible. God makes diverse parts of his body to serve and to suffer together. Do we recognize the Spirit of God in those that are not like us? Who will you build up this week? 
And will you pray that God will bring in the gifts that we need in order to declare in Ocala that Jesus is Lord. again for listening. We hope you've been challenged, encouraged, and helped by God and His Word. If you want more information about Grace Church of Ocala or would like to get in contact with us, please visit our home on the internet, ocalagrace.org. And if we haven't met yet, we hope to talk with you soon.